We are doing a series on the book of Daniel. We are, uh, the last couple of weeks we've seen how God has moved through this book. It's an incredible book and how God is just teaching us so much. And uh, today we're in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, uh, we're going to put it on for you, uh, put it on the screens for you as well. And uh, how's everybody doing today? Everybody doing good? Well, awesome. We are so glad you're here. My name is Daniel Kaznave. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church. And uh, God's just been doing some really neat things uh, that has enabled us to reach out to our community and, and also to reach out internationally. And so the title of my message today, you guys ready? You ready for this? You know I like my titles. We'll all lean in here. Courage in the fire. Courage in the fire. And so let's just pray and ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning. Then we're going to dive right in, okay? So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, thank you so much for uh, just the Bible and how it is so rich and true for us today. God, I pray that you will just speak truth and wisdom into our lives and into our hearts. God, I pray that I would decrease so that you may increase. God, I pray that we would experience you and your mercy and your grace. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Very good. Very good. Uh, Mark, we may just have to mute these guys, these mics that are behind me. Uh, thank, uh, thank you. Um, and just picking up a little bit of feedback. So what I want to talk about today, courage under fire, courage in the fire. You're going to see here in Daniel chapter three. And I was reminded this week of this story. Uh, see, in World War Two, I love history and I love reading about history. In World War Two, there's this particular battle. In fact, there was a movie about it. This man named Desmond Doss. I don't know if you've seen it. Hacksaw Ridge, uh, the movie that just came out. And uh, Desmond Doss was a man who was a medic in the military and during World War II he came across this battle and his platoon became heavy under fire and about 75 of his men were injured and stuck up on a ridge and so he had a decision to make where he, he knew that his men were there in trouble they wouldn't send other platoons in because it was so dangerous and because they were under so much heavy fire but they were still injured so he had a decision to make the decision that he made was is that he climbed up this ridge by himself and one by one as a medic with no gun pulled them to the edge, created this uh, little piece of raft, so to speak, so that he could lift each person down. And he was doing this solo. So he did one, he would get them down to safety and then he went back 75 times. And his hands, if you watch the movie, his hands were just uh, all bloodied and tired and because he just kept going back while he was under sniper fire as well. But he saw that his men, that nobody else was going. And so he had a decision to make, right? I mean, he's right there in the thick of it, but he chose that, hey, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice myself to get as many men to safety. And of course, he was uh, he received all of these awards and now there's a movie about him. But in that moment, in that instance, that's what I want to talk about today in the essence, because you and I will have moments in our life where uh, there's an opportunity for us to have courage. And courage is a big deal. And when we think about courage, there's many different ideas that come to play in it. And sometimes it's not talked about a lot in Christian circles, right? Uh, it could be a virtue that's explained maybe in sports and other areas. But I believe courage we see is all throughout the Bible. And you may have heard people say having the courage to step up, having the courage to stand firm in your faith, having the courage to believe what God wants us to do is right for us, right? And so I want to read this because C.S. 
Lewis has an incredible quote. He was a theologian a couple hundred years ago, and he wrote this, Courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of highest reality. I love that. It's not just one virtue, but in fact, it's the, the one virtue that's spread out over all the virtues, right? Because we need courage to uh, live by our core values. We need the courage to live in our day-to-day life. And so as we talk about this, this is where we're at in our story with Daniel chapter 3. And it's, you, you would think that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar would learn, uh, but he's human and he is one of those rulers and one of those kings where he believes that he is ruler over all. And so when we got to Daniel chapter 2, we see how Daniel interpreted this just outlandish, crazy dream that nobody believed that he could interpret. And God showed him the vision for it. And he interpreted this dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And then from Daniel chapter 2, that most scholars believe there was a few years in between Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 3. And so when we get to Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, a lot of people believe because if you remember the dream in Daniel chapter 2, the dream was about this giant statue who had all of these different features about it. Gold head, iron, all of these pieces were a part of this statue. And Daniel told him how uh, each piece played a role in the kingdoms and the kingdoms that would come and the kingdoms that would go. And so in Daniel chapter 2, he has a bright idea. Can you imagine he's sitting there in his throne? He goes, you know what? I need to create a massive 90 foot tall, completely solid gold statue. And I need everybody to worship this statue. I need everybody to realize. But here's the heart of it. King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted everybody to see him as a god. That he had divinity. That he had deity, right? They wanted to see that he was God. That he had the same power. As other gods. And he wanted to be set up as equal to that. So we created. He had everybody come together. And created this gold statue. It says it was 90 feet tall. And 90. I mean 9 feet thick. Can you imagine the sight of this? That's an incredibly massive statue. But a lot of people. uh, When you look at King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. He loved gold. He had gold all over the city. He had a solid gold throne that he sat on. And he just loved gold. And so he resurrected this gold statue and he said you know what anytime the music plays you got the the harps and every time that plays people must bow down and see me as a god they must worship this statue and so we see a predicament begin to happen they would play the music and people would bow down maybe you've seen it they get down on their hands and knees and they begin to worship and raise their hands and praise god and then all of a sudden off in the distance about it could have been off and these these fortune tellers and wise men that the bible describes they started to notice that there were these jewish boys who were not bowing down they were not worshiping But you see, King Nebuchadnezzar, he created a decree. Anybody that would not bow down and worship this statue, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. Think about a big cavern that they have this incredibly hot fire. They would uh, melt metals and all of these things in it, right? He said, we're going to throw you into this fire if you do not worship this, right? Anytime a leader uh, begins to lead with fear and manipulation, that should be a red flag for us, right? Because they want to manipulate behavior and create fear and, and chaos and saying, hey, this is how it's got to go. You have to follow me. So King Nebuchadnezzar puts that fear into people and going, hey, you need to do this. Well, I'm going to throw you into the fire, right? And so now there's a decision that has to be made. 
the Jewish boys who were raised on the New Testament, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and they read in Exodus, you shall worship no other gods besides the one God, the true God, right? And they read this, and all of a sudden, now they're faced with a dilemma. In this moment, they have to decide, I'm going to have the courage to believe God and take God at His will. And here in this, we see that uh, how God begins to play out in this. And all of a sudden, now, King Nebuchadnezzar finds out that these boys are not bowing down. They're not worshiping. They're standing up. While, can you imagine this sight? I mean, ev- literally everybody is bowing down. Their friends that they've made and the connections that they have. They're bowing down and they're just standing. I- I'm sure it's a little awkward at first. So they're just kind of standing like everybody's worshiping. They're like, ah, sorry, we can't. This, this is not what we believe. We can't do this, right? And so the word makes it all the way to King Nebuchadnezzar. Because we read in Daniel chapter 2, they were elevated in their positions. And so everybody in the kingdom, they were in places of authority. And they're like, King Neb, right? That's what I call him, King Neb, because Nebuchadnezzar, anyway. But King Neb, you you realize, like, these are guys that you placed in authority. And they're not listening to you. They're not worshiping you. What are you going to do? And this is where we pick up here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Everybody still okay? Very good. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you hear the sound of the musical instruments... But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Verse 16. This is big right here. If you have a highlighter, underline, or whatever you want to do there in your Bibles, just take a a note of this. Because this is huge. This is a big piece. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. What a beautiful pieces of, of verses there. They, these teenage boys are at least at the oldest. They're young adults. All my students in the house there were taken into captivity as high school students age almost. Right. And they at this time, they could even be young adults. But they're taking this stand. King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, you, you can give me one more chance. One more shot to bow down and to worship my gods. And see, this is big because in Daniel chapter 2, what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? He realizes that God has this incredible power to reveal secrets. And he starts to worship the God of Daniel, right? He says, everybody should worship the God of Daniel. So he recognizes Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He recognizes their God as a God, right? And so he expects them to return the favor, right? To go, hey, I acknowledge your God. Why don't you acknowledge my God? I'm trying to tell you that here's one. So I acknowledge yours. You should acknowledge my God. And all of a sudden, Daniel, Shadrach, 
or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have a dilemma, right? And then in this particular story, we don't see Daniel. And some people have argued, oh, well, Daniel had a lapse in judgment and he was bowing down and worshiping this idol too. But most people believe when we read this scripture because of the distance and that Daniel was placed on the royal guard, on the, one of the highest positions, he, could have, he was most likely either traveling or he was actually one on the stage with the royal people as well. And so they didn't follow the same guidelines. So whichever one that may play out, Daniel is still in this particular story in this timeline. But here in Daniel chapter 3, we see that they have a dilemma. Because you and I have this same dilemma. If you think about this, this is thousands of years. But you and I have this same predicament here in 2022, almost at 2023. I'm not trying to rush anything. But 2022, right? Like we have this same predicament. Because uh, as a Christian, uh, nobody really uh, will look at you and go, Oh, you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Oh, you believe that Jesus is God. You believe that your God that you worship is the only God. And I said, great, that's good for you, right? But then when we say, oh, no. We're saying that Jesus is the only God, right? Like God is the only God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is the, the one God. There is no other gods there. That He is the only way to heaven, as John 14, 6 says. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And so when we make the road that narrow, then it's like, oh, well, I'll acknowledge that, that, that that's your God, that's your personal God. But how can you not acknowledge that my God is true too? Can, can you not acknowledge that? And so we see there's a crossroads that begins to happen in our lives. And uh, the first piece of uh, notes I'd love for you to take or write down or maybe you take a picture or uh, begin to think about is Christian courage stands on Jesus as the only Lord. Jesus, Christian courage stands that Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? Christian courage stands that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the promised Messiah. And when you and I declare that, we're saying he's not superior to all other gods he is the only god right and he is the only way to heaven because he was the only person to walk this earth perfectly because he is god fully man fully god and only a perfect sacrifice can atone for the sins of all humanity that would place their faith in him past present and future right and that's a big deal that's why Jesus is the only way because it was the only way that that could happen and a God who loves this world so much said you know what I'll come I'll lower myself and come as a baby and live this world and show you the perfect example of the Christ-like life. And then I'm going to sacrifice myself. A lot of people have said, you know, the only thing you have to do is find a perfect person. And then convince them to sacrifice themselves for your sins. Right? Like, first we have to find the perfect person which doesn't exist outside of Jesus. Right? And then we have to convince them for all the people. Right? That's just for a chance that they would give their faith to Jesus. But Jesus says, I love the world so much. I'm willing to make that sacrifice, willing to make a way so that you and I can have a relationship with our creator, right? And so when we make the declaration, when we have the courage to say that we're standing on the truth, we're standing on the word of God. But as culture begins to shift in other countries, they've already experienced this or they're experiencing this even more. And in our culture, that's why I believe Daniel is so relevant to us today because they're no longer in a Jew 
Jewish culture. They're in Babylon who worship other gods. And so they're having to have this courage. They're having to say, no, no, no. There, there are no other gods. Jesus is the only God. God, He is the Lord. He is one. And there comes a time for you and I to go, okay, what do I believe? Do I really believe that Jesus is the one true God? Do I believe that he is the only way to heaven? And then not only do I believe that, but am I willing to stand on that truth as culture begins to shift, as things begin to change? And it's no longer there was a time in our day when uh, almost Christian and American went together, right? It was almost like everybody that was that was kind of the thing. But now as culture begins to shift and maybe uh, we detach from one identity, we are a Identity in Christ stays the same. I am still a child of God. As we see in the Old Testament, how kingdoms come and kingdoms go, right? But the Lord still stands firm forever. His word is still true. Jesus is still God and he is still seated on the throne as everything may be shaken around us. But God is still God. And you and I need to have the courage to say, you know what? I still believe that. I believe God can do a mighty work in us. And I believe not only that, but there are moments in our lives where we have these, I call them like many moments of courage, right? I, I can remember all the way dating back to like elementary and middle school. You have little many moments of courage, right? Where you have to stand and say, well, this is what God wants me to do. And this is what everybody else is doing, right? And I, I didn't uh, go down the courage route every time. I went down the crowd route a lot of times, but God God is saying, I want to give you the courage to say, this is the life that I have created you for. If you'll believe me, if you'll trust me. But it's having the courage to do that, having those courage to stay with that. But I, I, would, I would like to say, oh, that after uh, school and high school and college and those days, it kind of goes away, but it doesn't. You and I both know, right? There's many moments of courage uh, all the time for us. Maybe at work where we see somebody wants to cut a corner or, or do something differently. And you see that and it's like, well, am I just going to kind of go with the flow with everybody else is doing? Or have a moment of courage and going, no, this this is how God's called me to live. This is what I'm going to stand for. This is the narrow road that I'm going to take, right? As we see this opportunity for us. But we stand on the truth that Jesus is the only God. But then, I love this. This is one of the, to me, one of the most profound statements about God and our relationship with Him on verses 16 through 18. This is so good and so eye-opening that I want to spend a few moments talking about it. And I want to read it just uh, briefly uh, in verse 16. It says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I love this truth. We just need to unleash it, right? Truth, we just need to uncover it. We don't need to manipulate it. We don't need to try to tie it up in a nice bow. Truth is truth, and it will stand true and stand the test of time, right? And so we see this, and he says, hey, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is what? Able to save us, right? He is able. That is huge for you and I. I want to give you this statement. I'm trying not to get excited and move too fast, so I just, I'm going to calm down here. But it says, this this is our, our uh, notes. If you're taking notes here, Christian courage believes that God can expects that he will, but trust him if he doesn't. 
We see this in 16 through 18. Christian courage believes that God can, right? He is able, right? That's what they say. He is able. And then he goes on and continues and says what? It says, uh, he will rescue us from your power. He will. We're expecting that God will. We believe that he can. We're expecting that he will. But then he says, then they say what? Uh, But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. Our trust, our faith, our hope is in Jesus. If he decides to take us home on this day, we're in the fiery furnace. We're trusting God here in this moment. And this is such a profound statement in a way for you and I to view life because we first must believe that God can. We must believe that nothing is impossible with God. We see this in Matthew, uh, Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. He's talking about salvation specifically here. But with God, everything is possible. We can't put God in that box, but he is saying, hey, it is possible with God. We're talking about the creator of the universe. When we read Genesis chapter 1, there was nothing, what, right? And God spoke, and all of a sudden there is creation. He spoke things into existence. He spoke the sun. Have you ever been to the Rockies and all of these different mountains? And we look out into the vast ocean. I love living the coastal life because I can just walk out into the ocean and hear the waves and going, God. Here's all my problems, and this is how big you are. Like, wow, this is incredible, right? I love going to the uh, Oyster Factory Park. If you listen online, you're somewhere else. This is a cool place. Oyster Factory Park. I love going out there, standing out by the river because I see the bends in the river, and I see how it has changed over time. But I think about Genesis when God spoke that into existence, and he says, this is my creation, And it reminds me of how big God is. And when I bring him my issues and my trials and my problems, I'm reminded I serve a God who can handle all of that, who can handle my fear, who can handle my doubt, who can handle what is going on in my life, who can handle the diagnosis, who can handle my marriage, who can handle uh, the relationship problems, whatever I may face can handle my kids. All of these pieces, right? God can handle those pieces and he's saying I want you to give those to me and we have to first believe that God can and then here's the next one here's a big one right here that if we're honest with each other is a little tricky right Uh, we believe that God can and then it says he will right they make this declaration we believe that he's going to rescue us from this we're standing we're honoring God we believe he's going to lift us up we're believing that he will and as Christians God is calling us to have faith to look at situations to look at moments in our life and go you know what I believe that God can move in this instance, and I'm expecting that he will. I don't know how he's going to move. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to pray like God can and that God will, right? I'm walking into this situation, and my faith, my prayer is, you know what, God? I know you are the creator of all of the universe, and I'm walking through this right now, and I believe that you can heal. I believe that you can restore. I believe that you can redeem. I believe that you can bring the prodigal son. I believe Leave all of these pieces of my life, God. I believe it. And we're just, and God, I'm praying and expectant, hopeful expectation that this is going to happen, God. I believe that you're going to move in this situation. I believe that you're going to do all of this, right? We have that hopeful expectation. But if we're honest with each other, because if we live long enough, there's probably going to be moments where you expected something and God didn't meet those expectations exactly how we thought, right? 
than maybe someone who was uh, diagnosed with something and they didn't make it, right? And we're left wrestling, God, I prayed for them. I believed, I expected that you would move. I expected that this would happen. But in those moments, we have to step back and go, you know what, God? Again, you are a big God. You understand all things. You understand not only what is happening right now in this generation, but what has happened before and what is going to happen a hundred thousand, multiple thousand years to come, God. I only see this puzzle piece and you are the puzzle maker, right? Like I only see this, so I'm going to step back. I don't have all the answers because I'm not God. I can't see all that. I'm going to take a step back, God. And this is not how I expect it, but I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. I'm going to trust that you are moving, you are still working, and I'm going to hold on to promises in Scripture that say, like Romans 8, 28, God's going to work all things out for the glory of those who believe and trust and love Him, right? He's saying, I'm going to work, I will work all of this out. And you may not see it. You may not see it in your lifetime. There's going to be a moment when we get together and get face to face with Jesus. And I can't tell you he's going to explain everything then. But I believe when you're standing there face to face with Jesus, you're going to go, oh, oh, I trust you. Whatever you want to say, your glory, God, is for your glory, your hope. And it's in those moments. And it's not every day that we're going to be faced with those situations. But as a Christian, it takes courage for us to go, you know what? I believe that he can. And I'm expecting, I'm praying, I'm living, I'm praying, and I'm living like he will, right? For the moment and the time that I have on this earth. But then if he doesn't act the exact way that I hope, I'm going to step back and I'm going to trust God. Because even in that moment, it's an opportunity. Because some people may chalk that up as a failure. Oh, look, God didn't move. God didn't do this. God didn't do that. But you and I have a moment to go, you know what? I'm not God. You're not God. He knows all things, and I'm trusting him in this situation. And it points to somebody who is bigger, smarter, and wiser than us. It points to a faith that we have in the things that we cannot see, right? And faith is not of this world, because of this world is logic. Of this world is complete evidence that I can see, right? But God is not of this world. He is of eternity. He, he knows what is happening yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we have an opportunity to trust God who is in all of eternity. And it's a moment for you and I to declare the goodness of God. And so Christian courage believes that he can, expects that he will, but trust him even if he doesn't. That's just a a profound statement that's pretty incredible here. And so we get to the moment. This is the declaration that they make, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's some incredible names there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They have these names. They make this declaration of God. They say, you know what? We believe that he can. We're expecting that he's going to deliver us from this. But if we die here in this furnace, we are still not going to worship. We still are. My belief is not going to change because of the situation that I'm facing. My belief stands firm in who God is. Right. And so Nebuchadnezzar, we read here in uh, uh, chapter three, verse 22, and it reads like this. I'm going to read a good bit. It says, and because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly... Oh, this is where it gets good. Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men 
unbound, walking in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation, language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble and there is no other god who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher um, positions in the providence of Babylon. We see this beautiful testimony. Oh, that's my favorite part. They throw them into the fiery furnace, right? And all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar begins to look in. He's creeping in. He's like, wait a second. We just threw, you just threw three guys in there, right? There's just three. And all of a sudden they see their, that the fire was so hot that the soldiers, when they threw them in, burned up and died. And yet these guys are walking around in the fire. I just like to put myself in the story. Can you imagine me and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Like, how does that play out? Just like, here we go. Oh. Wait, right? Like, what is happening here? And all of a sudden, it says he looks like the Son of God. Jesus is walking. Most people, this is Jesus walking around. The good shepherd saw his people standing for his name. And as a good shepherd, couldn't sit back anymore. And we see how Jesus stepped into the fire with them. And I think that's important for you and I. Jesus didn't, didn't stop the fire, Right? He didn't say, oh, this is, this is not going to happen. He, he said, no, in fact, you're going to go into the fire, but I'm going to go into the fire with you, right? He said, he, we see this promise over and over and over and over again in Scripture. One day I'm going to read through the Bible and just take notes. Every time we see that God, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. That is his promise over and over and over again. He is saying, I am with you. And if Jesus is with us, he is the big God. He is the creator of all things. And he walks with us in the fire. Sometimes God calls us into the fire, and yet He's still calling us to have courage in those moments. But to understand that when Jesus is with us, we can still have peace. In the fire, we can still have rest. In the fire, we can still know that He is God. You imagine in the New Testament, you remember when all the disciples that God sent them into the storm? He said, go across there. And all of a sudden, a storm comes and Jesus is asleep on the boat. It just tells you a little bit of something about Jesus, right? And these professional fishermen are scared that they're going to die. That's the, the storm that is there. And they, they wait shake Jesus and Jesus wakes up and he's like oh my goodness what is wrong with your faith right and he goes storm winds be still right and he speaks the calm into existence you know why the calm in existence began to happen because Jesus 
was in the boat. You and I need to remember and need to know that sometimes we'll still be sitting in the fire. Storms may still come, but the promise is that Jesus is with us in the boat, that Jesus is with us in the fire. So whatever we face, the advantage that we have is the Son of God, the only God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is with us in those moments. And his promises are true and he will guide us, comfort us, give us peace, give us wisdom, give us direction. And we make this same declaration that we can have courage because God can move on our behalf. We're expecting that he will. But even if he doesn't, I'm believing that he is still God. I'm trusting that he knows what he is doing, that he knows and sees the bigger picture. And so as I close here today, this is important because the Old Testament, Jesus is all throughout the Bible. There are so many pieces that are a foreshadow of who is to come, of who Jesus is to come. And what I love, the details about the Bible, and it says that they didn't even smell like smoke. Their hair didn't smell like smoke. You've been to a campfire before. You're around there for like 30 seconds, and all of a sudden you smell like smoke for like seven days, all your clothes. Anyway, but they walk out of this fire that they've been in, and they don't even smell like the smoke. Their hairs are not even burned, but you know what burned off? The shackles that were holding their hands, the shackles that were holding their feet. And the fire all throughout the Bible is a representation of judgment. We see that the fire represents when the Holy Spirit comes and brings fire, right? That's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We also see that the fire is purifying, that there's judgment there. But we see when Jesus comes and when Jesus dies on the cross, He takes your punishment. He takes your judgment. He takes my judgment. And he says, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take on the full wrath of God for you. And then the shackles of sin and shame and guilt are burned away. And you and I are set free in Christ. And that's what the Bible is talking about. You are free in Christ. You are no longer bound by that guilt and that shame and that sin that's holding us down. For the wages of sin is death, right? Anytime sin enters in people and relationship, it always plays out into death, whatever that looks like. But God says, I don't want that for you. In fact, I'm going to pay the price for that. So that you can stand before God, not on what you have done, what I have done, but on what Jesus has done for us. That we walk in that freedom. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we come out of that fire, right? And we go into the world because courage is contagious, right? When other people go, whoa, how did you stand up to the King Neb like that? How did you stand up and declare who God was? How did you make it out of the fire? You and I, all of a sudden, we point and go, oh, my story's for his glory, right? Like, oh, let me just tell you about Jesus, how he set me free, how I walked through this storm, walked through this fire, but Jesus got me through. Not only did he get me through, but he set me free. And I don't have to carry the weight of that anymore. And I think that's something for you and I to think about. And I I promise I'm going to close here. But it's something for us to think about. Is maybe you've never given your life or trusted that Jesus is the only one true God. That he's the way, the truth, and the life. I'd love for you to have a moment where we pray together and you can say, you know what? I believe that for the first time. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be saved as well. 
and receive this truth and saying, I believe that in my heart. I want to confess that to Jesus. I want to confess that around me. We're going to get a chance to pray together as well. But maybe for you, we're walking through life and uh, I know there are seasons in my life when I can start to take the, the trials and the fire, right, and the storms, and I will just put them on my shoulders, right? Like, let's go. I got this. I can keep going. Come on, God. Like, I, come on. You just give me, give me strength to keep going, God. God's going, you know what? Can I just take all the burden? Can I just take all the weight? Can I take, just, just place all of that at my feet? And he says, he says that in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, because my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And so for me and my relationship with God, anytime the burden is not light, I know I'm holding on to too much. I know I'm trying to carry it all too much. Not God, this burden is not light. This burden is heavy. God is going, come to me and I'll give you rest. Trust me. Trust my plan. Trust my way of life. And so I'd love to invite you into that as well. Because we could be Christians following God. But, you know, we've picked those things back up and we're trying to hold and muster those things on. But I want you to be free in Christ so that we can leave this place feeling the peace of God. Going, you know what? I believe that he can. I'm going to live my life expecting that he will. But if he doesn't, I'm trusting a a big God to serve in my life. And so let's pray together. Uh, I want to pray one prayer. If you've never given your life to Christ before, I'd just love for you to to, follow along with me. Dear Heavenly Father. God, I know that I'm living in sin and I'm separated from you. God, I believe that you are the one true God. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. I believe that he rose again, conquering sin and death. I ask that you would continue to save me and change me, God. If you prayed that prayer here today, I'd love to connect with you uh, right after service or maybe you want to fill the connect card out there. We'd love to pray with you, walk in community. Uh, But for everybody else, maybe you're holding on to this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that if people walked in here today or listening online and uh, we're picking up the weight and the burden and the trials, God, maybe there's somebody in here who feels like they're in the middle of the fire right now, God, in the middle of the storm right now. God, and I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that they will lay that at your feet. They will lay the expectations of the outcome at your feet. God, I pray that they'll lay the the shame and the guilt that the enemy is whispering in their ear, God. I, I pray that you would breathe life, you would breathe freedom, you would breathe peace and comfort over their life right now, God. That they would feel, literally feel the weight coming off their shoulders, off their soul, God. Because you have the power to do that right now. God, I ask that you would continue to forgive us and give us the strength to forgive those who are around us, God. I pray that you give us boldness and courage like in Acts chapter 4, God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel, and we see in this book over and over again. God, you are a big God. We know that you are the creator of all things. We believe that, God. And we believe that you can still move and work in 2022, move and work in this world today. God, I pray that you help us to reposition our lives and faith, knowing and believing that you're going to move, God. 
And I pray that you give us the peace to trust you in the moments where we don't see you moving and working the way that we thought or planned or maybe even the people in our lives, they thought and planned and they think you should move and now they're placing the burden and the weight and the shame and the guilt on us because this is the God we serve. God, I pray that you give us courage in that to say, to say we trust you, Jesus. Give us strength in that, God. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.